Welcome to the latest edition of the Mind Talk podcast with myself, Edwin. And today's guest is coming from the world of bodybuilding. Jasmine Babin, welcome to the Mind Talk podcast. Great to have you on. I'm going to ask you something that I ask all of our guests that come on. So talk to us about your early experience with sports and fitness. So yes, uh, it's my background in fitness started off with me running around with my brothers and cousins outside. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I was playing my Barbie dolls and I was doing all those little girly things, but I was also running around racing, you know, chase stuff like that. And my thing was, I used to race all my brother's friends and all the boys in my neighborhood for like um, chips and stuff like that. And I would beat them. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so funny because my family used to always joke. So I wear a six and a half shoe now. And it was like, how did your feet come out so small and cute? Because for some reason, you used to walk around with no shoes on, tomboy, the whole nine yards. But somehow you came out small and cute. <laughs> they thought I was gonna be able to do this. <laughs> okay, so you were quite active as a as a child. So was there any particular sport that stuck out to you? Yes, actually, um, actually, track sports stuck out to me the most. And football, believe it or not. Um, okay. Bodybuilding was something that was on my mind, but I didn't think it was achievable or attainable. So my uncle, he was very much into bodybuilding. My uncle was like a dad to me. And um, my uncle would have all these stacks and stacks and stacks of magazines in his bedroom. And of course, you know, get out of my bedroom, that kind of thing. But I was sneaking in and I would go look at his magazine, hmm. all these bodybuilding magazines with women and men in it. And when I saw the women, I didn't look at it like, oh my God, they're so scary looking. Why would they look like that? I looked at it like, oh my God, they look so mm -hmm. beautiful. I want to look like her. And then yeah. at the time, I was already involved in a lot of different sports and stuff like that. So of course, you know, you get your team okay. trophies and, you know, luckily I was always yeah. winning or first or second or something like that. And I got my first trophy yeah. with the girl on top. And the girl was muscular. Okay. And then I thought about it. I was just like, okay. hey, the girls that I saw in my uncle's magazines and then turned around the girl in this trophy, I don't look like that. So and this, I was literally like maybe like eight or nine when all these thoughts came into my mind. Yes. Oh, wow, really? Yes. I was like, I don't look like that. And, you know, I always had in my mind to be very, very um, athletic. But at the time, my grandmother had me in, like, well, I was a little pageant baby. So I was doing pageants and okay. stuff like that. And I was getting my okay. little tiaras and my crowns and my sashes and stuff. But I really wanted to go work out. I wanted to go run. I wanted to play football. I wanted to go, you know, just be active and stuff like yeah. that. So as soon as I had the opportunity, I did it. I did big, too. <laughs> the thing is Patrick you, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that that will actually probably help you later on when it came to the bodybuilding so it's quite interesting how things just align in life when you don't even you're not, not even you're really not I never wow. would have correlated both of them together because it was funny how I even got into yeah. bodybuilding I was asked about it like somebody said hey you got good muscle composition yeah. you're beautiful you have a very charismatic look so why not let's just give it a try and again, didn't think it was attainable. Always wanted to do it. Hmm. It was always a thought. Yeah. And then got on my first stage and I won. Wow. And it was history after that. Wow. So so what was, so literally when you said someone like spoke to you about it. So 
what was the first step? Did you just start training straight away? How, how did so um, I was already training with my trainer at the time and he literally had just got started into bodybuilding, like his first show. And he asked me to come and support his first show. And I was like, okay, why not? And it was always a buzz of talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. And because I went to my first show, I started hanging out with all like-minded kind of people because we was all working out and all going to the gym. And when they, my the people who basically brought me in mentors, when they got the itch, that's when the thought became an actual reality. And because they went through the process before I did, and I was kind of like the little younger one coming up under them, after they did their first or second show, because we was all amateurs at the time, when they did their first or second show and they got a feel for it, they went ahead and they brought me in as their first client to actually prepare and get ready for a show. And I trusted them. So I just went along with it and we won. The recipe, the, uh, the scientific concoction is what I will say. Um, that we put together, um, the chemistry that we put together, it worked, and it worked for at least eight or nine years. Um, so, to, so to prepare, did did you basically did your body change a lot compared to when you started training to when you had yes. to compete? Compare it, it changed a lot. Um, I was already lean, I was already muscular, but that's a weird yeah. thing because. I went through a whole lot of fluctuations. When I was younger, I was I got to a point where I had got to 200 pounds. And that's when I knew, wow. and I was probably around about maybe 15 or 16. So it was in between that phase where I stopped competing, not competing, I stopped on um, pageant. And I started to go into puberty, yeah. you know, that whole process. And yeah. some people would always say, oh, you look so good with that thickness or that size on you. And, you know, some people, nobody didn't say anything bad. I mean, I had a couple of people, you know, give them those sly remarks. Like my aunt would joke. I would be like, yeah, I want to be a model. And she's like, yeah, you can be a fat model. You can be a plus size model. Wow, right? And then I'm like 15, 16 hearing that. That hurts. Because she's like, oh, you're pretty. You can be a hand model. And I'm like, wow. So, of course, you know, that motivated me. And um, the bigness, it didn't. I'm not going to say anything about anybody because the size for me, it just didn't feel right to me. When I walked, when I breathed, when I went up and down stairs, when I ate and had to take a deep breath, I still from this day, and I'm 37 now, I still to this day remember that feeling, remember that thought process, remember that mental stress that I had to go through with with having that weight on me. And I wanted to get it off of me immediately and I was determined to do it. So that was my first time losing the weight. But the thing is, I did it on my own. No help. And so whenever I started modeling, I started um, going back and forth and traveling and I met the people who brought me into bodybuilding. They met me when I had built my own body, when I was figuring when I was working out. And for me, it just turned into oh, um, a need to a hobby because it was like, OK, I need to get this weight off me now. Oh, my God, this feels so good. I like this. And then it went from, okay, I feel good. I like this. I'm confident to everybody else noticing. And here I am. So then going through that process, your body changed. Um, how did your family and how supportive were your family when you started training and you got to the to the point when you became professional? My family were extremely, extremely supportive. And I was surprised by it because, of course, you know, 
like I told you, I had my aunt saying a little slide remarks and um, my grandmother, yeah. of course, she was very supportive of me because I came from the pageantry world yeah. and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah. you know, um, my uncle, when he found out about it, <gasps> it was just like his baby walking for the first time. Cause he's like, he teared up. Yeah. He was just like, my baby, she followed in my footsteps. And he came to my first show. He was so proud. And I, and I actually placed second in that show. And I was already IMDb Pro at yeah. the time. So of course he was crazy excited okay. because that was my uncle's goal yeah. back then to become an IMDb Pro in the early nineties, late eighties. And he was bodybuilding. Okay. He was doing the shows, but he just didn't do it. And I did it. So he was very yeah. happy about that. And um, my aunt, the whole family was there. My grandmother was there, my nieces, my god sister. In Louisiana, you know, we have parents, god sisters, stuff like that. I don't know if y'all have that in y'all country, but where we're from, yeah. we have that. And so my god sister, she was yeah. there, like extremely supportive. And it wasn't, I didn't get the, oh my God, you're getting too big, you're getting too muscular, you need to calm down. I got the, how can we come to the gym with you? How can we support you? How can we help you? That's really good because the support network is is so vital. You speak to any person in fitness and sports and the ones that tend to do the, the best are the ones who've got a great support network. So it's good that they were there to support you during that period of your life. So next, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, preparing for competition. So how how long does it normally take to get in shape um, so, cause I literally had this conversation with a potential client who's going to be working under me and, um, also my business partner. And the biggest question is always how long will this take? It depends on where you're starting from. If you're starting from ground zero, like amateur, yeah. not really working out, you go to the gym every now and again, it's going to take maybe a year or two. Depends on, um, genetics and also your seriousness into yeah. it, because what you put into it is what you will get out of it. But now, if you are an athlete and you're in the gym, like you ain't going crazy in it, you're not, you know, but you in there, you know, at least five to six times a week, you do your cardio, you eat good, you ain't crazy. So normally something like that would take anywhere between 15 to 18 weeks, depends on where you at and how much of a cut you have to do and what category you're going to. But if you are an athlete, you are coming from a show, you're on a a break and you're going straight going into another show. Normally, something like tech, that takes anywhere between um, 12 to 8 weeks. It depends on where you're at and how long we have to get you and where we're starting from. The next question is going to be kind of related to um, pressure. So how you dealt with pressure. Was, the, was pressure the same when you first started? Or did it change once you became professional and the expectation of winning? Did it change? Yes. Because um, when you're first doing it, being an amateur is fun. You don't know what you're getting into. So you're just like, ooh, for the girls. Sparkly swimsuits, makeup, hair, and bodybuilding. What? Let's do this. For the guys, again, it's fun. A new territory. Yeah. I'm getting praise for fucking working out. Like, what? That's crazy. Yeah. Right? So it's all yeah. new. And yeah. then when you get serious, and then when that IFBB pro status, that pro athlete status literally becomes from... A dream to a fantasy to wait, I can really have this. Then you get serious. And that's when that itch really start to really like, like I gotta have it. I, I, I call it the itch. And 
Then you start to, re- and then once you get that pro status, this is when you get really, really, really serious because mm-hmm. politics get into it, the mm-hmm. money. And, okay. and now you're going into like investments because now you have companies reaching out to you, wanting mm-hmm. to work with you. So you have to be choosy about okay. that. If you're a good athlete, I know some athletes that don't have those opportunities, but um, for the ones yeah. that I do know, including myself, very blessed and humbled to be able to say this, but um, pick and mm-hmm. choose who you got to give your likeness to or who wants to work with you because of the fact that, you know, it's a lot of people reaching out to you, but yeah, it gets hella serious yeah. once you get to this part. I do miss the lightness of it when I was an amateur, but I love this part of it too, because yeah. I come from a modeling background. So for me, it's just, it went from, okay, modeling in my 18s, 20s, late 20s to now bodybuilding, yeah. still modeling, you know, still being a picture of health and in my yeah. 30s. So it's just something that it travels yeah. with you, but it gets a whole lot more serious, especially when your body's involved, because you got to hope and pray that your body keeps up with what you're trying to do. You mentioned politics. I know in things like uh, modeling, there is politics in that. So the politics in bodybuilding, when you're going, is it the type of politics where, um, let's say, there's someone who's a favorite and they may like her no matter no matter what? Does that type of stuff yes. happen in it? Yes, yes, yes. Especially when you get... Yeah to the Olympia, the Olympia level, um, that top five is always kind of already picked. And if you're lucky mm. enough to crack it, blessings to you, baby. Because it's, it's possible to crack it. Mm. It's very, very possible to crack it. Because um, bodybuilding sport is yeah. extremely suggestive. There is no one through 10 list to follow to say, yeah. oh, I, if I follow A, B, C, D, all the way to Z, I know for sure I'm going to win. That's not necessarily how that goes. If just that, mm. if you got a, a judge that sees you and they like you, they're going for you, great. But all these judges have their favorites. All these judges mm. have their number one girls, even if they even never even met these people before. Just like with guys with football, you have your favorite football players. Yeah. It can all be from many different yeah. teams. They can probably be two players from one team, but you all have your favorites. So whenever you turn on your favorite yeah. game, you're going to be looking for your favorite yeah. athlete, right? Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, especially when it comes to bikini and also physique and also wellness. Yeah. Whoa, it's crazy how the politics play a major part. But every now and again, wow. you have that diamond that can come Breakthrough yeah. and shake some things up, and yeah. we all like that too, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. But what what do you think um, can change for it to be uh, more equal for everyone that's competing? Again, that can be like a million and one different things to make it equal. And I can say um, probably two or three things, and somebody else can probably say, "No, I don't believe. I don't agree. I think this should be able to make it equal." Um, uh, but I would say this, though, and I hope I don't ruffle some feathers for people who are hearing this. But if you take a lot of the supplements, legal and illegal out of it, we'll make it a very, very, very even playing ground. But to some people, that will also take the fun out of it, too. But that's the, that's the thing with the supplements. I know I know what happens. And um, when people are being very competitive, do they not? Um, consider some of the long-term effects that it might have later on in life it, yes that's exactly what it is because it's exactly how they're doing now a lot of younger people yeah. um 
and also older people too. Remember how I say it's called that itch. Oh, once you get that itch, it's like, I'm going to do anything in order to win. And it doesn't matter if my hormones out of place, if my kidneys fail, if I get a heart attack, a lot of different things. They, it just goes out the window because that hunger to win, that hunger to be the best, yeah. that hunger to say, oh, I'm an Olympian. Yeah. That. Um, it trumps a lot of things when it gets to that point. That, that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and, you know, I also, a lot of, of past bodybuilders, um, and a few of them that I've met, and they gave me very encouraging words. Yeah. May they rest in peace. Man. Two in particular that yeah. passed. I don't want to get too emotional by saying this. Yeah. But I've actually was blessed to meet two very prominent, yeah. very, very, very highly known um, IMDb pros past that's no longer here. Yeah. And both of them, I met them at two national shows that I did. One in particular, I was coming down the hall and I wasn't crying, but I was kind of shocked. I was hurt. Um, And, you know, of course, you first, all competitors go through that process. I didn't win. Oh, my God. Literally only four people won (laughs) out of 235 or 275. But you just mad that you didn't do the one. And so as I was coming to my room, he was in the hallway and he saw me. He was like, I remember you. You was a girl with the short hair. Girl, you look good. And I was just like, yeah, but I don't know if I'm going to do it again. He's like, don't quit. Hmm. You're a black girl. You deserve to be here. You're here. You, you made it in the top place. I saw where they placed you at. You just got to keep going. And he told me so much in, in amazing, encouraging words. That made me keep yeah. going. And the fact that he was who he yeah. was. And the fact that he spoke to me, because I'm going to be like, oh. a few years later, I became an IFBB pro with my short hair, something that they didn't even, they never thought it was going to be happening or never thought it was possible because every, even every coach like, no, you need hair, you need hair. And that competitive subject, he said, keep your hair mm-hmm. short. Don't change. May he rest in peace. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. This is the thing in life. You don't know who you're going to come across and what words they speak into your life and what impact it can have. And obviously the words he spoke kind of pushed you on and gave you the success that you had. So I know, I know, I know you yes. haven't got that much time left, so I'll, I'll, I'll ask you a couple more questions. So okay. in terms of what would you say was the hardest part of competing regularly? Mm. The up and down of it, the getting back on a horse. Yeah. You compete, you compete for so many weeks. You eat this food and you take the salt out. And you go through yeah. the process and it's not an easy process. Yeah. And then you get down to that peak week and you suck all the water out of your body completely. Yeah. And then it's done. You win, you lose, whatever situation may be. And then boom, you get a tap on the shoulder. Hey, yeah. time to go again. And when you are a regular person, it's like, oh, whatever. But when you're an athlete, that time to go again is like literally in a week or two. And you're just like, (sighs) 
<laughs> I can't eat my whatever. I got to, oh, you, and man. And a lot of people's like six or seven times a day eating. And when you hear it, you're like, I can yeah. do that. But when you actually do it, you're like, what the F? Yeah. <laughs> These middle sizes are like crazy big or crazy small. Yeah. And when you like literally got food coming out your ear or having to eat something you don't normally yeah. eat. Like me, I hate yeah, fish. But, you have to eat for that. but being a bikini girl is one of the number one things you got to eat is fish. Because if you want to win, you got to eat fish, yeah. baby. And it's just like <laughs> that part. <laughs> no, so- That's why I haven't really gotten back on stage yeah. yet. After I had my child, because I'm enjoying food way too much. And I don't want to get into a restrictive diet again. I'm going to do yeah. it eventually, though, because I'm uh, too many of my athletes and too many of my clients is like, Jazz, do it, do it, do it. Look, you help me win, Jazz. Do yeah. it, do it, do it. And I'm like, uh, give me time. Mama going to get back on the horse. Just give me time. But w- w- would you say <laughs> going back and doing it, is it more of to prove that I can still do it? No, for me, some people kind of like looking at me like, okay, you're doing it to prove that you can still do it. For me, it's just, I'm back. It's just like a welcome back to the stage. It's like a a homecoming. It's like, you know, you left, you went to college, you graduated. Now you're coming back for your grad year. I'm back. That's all it is for me. But some people will look at it like, oh, she's doing it to prove that she still got it. Baby, I ain't never went yeah. nowhere. <laughs> it's still you're still here. here. You're still here. <laughs> but it's just like, all right, cool. I'm back. <laughs> Last question. So you kind of just touched on it, your coaching. So obviously now you're coaching other, other bodybuilders. So how much time and effort goes into coaching? And... How much support do you have to provide, not just in the physical, but the mental side of things? Uh, Coaching is 50% body and 50% motivational speaking. And it's not, and and also energy as well. All that motivational speaking, energy, all that good stuff comes into it because if I, as a coach, don't want it just as bad for you, as bad as you want it for yourself, you're not going to want to yeah. keep it. Because in the first few weeks when you're eating and you're seeing the changes and you're seeing your body dropping the weight and you start to see your abs show up and those veins show up, you're like, yeah, whoa. Yeah. And then when you get closer to showtime when you're like probably somewhere between five to six, maybe four yeah. weeks out. And the whole nostalgia of my muscles are showing up. My body looks yeah. good. That whole nostalgia is now yeah. gone. Now you're in the thick of competing. Now you're really doing what it means to be a yeah. competitor, an athlete. Yeah. And that's when a lot of people tap out. Because that's when it gets really, really, really hard. Because the weights go mm-hmm. up. But now your body fat has gone mm-hmm. down and your muscularity is going yeah. up. So mentally you're thinking, I'm tired. I can't lift yeah. all of this. And you eating stuff you don't normally eat. And I'm over here telling you, okay, I need you to add an eighth meal to your schedule. You're like, what? So that is where you're just like, okay, I have to finish it. And I've seen so many great competitors that could have been amazing. Tap out because they're lazy. Or they just don't have the motivation. Or they tap out because the passion is not there. So again, we got to both be on the same page as a coach. You got to be an athlete willing to do what I'm asking you to do. And and me, 
I do it for some clients that they specifically ask me to do it, but I don't really like it to actually have to be on somebody's yeah. behind. You need to get up. And you need, if I got to do all of that to you, baby, you don't need yeah. to be doing it. You don't really want this. Because if I got to babysit you. Then, yeah. Why are you there? Yeah. Yeah. Because then you you paying me to, to yell at you. Like, I, that's, that's mentally stressful. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And trust me, you're going to pay me. Because if you don't pay me, I can Well, yeah, up. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's just like when, when I, I just feel I respect my clients. And when they come to a point where they have to ask me, like, I got to be on you. And I, oh, you need to yell at me and tell me this. And you got to curse me out. I'm like, you don't no, really want this. No. No. You don't. Because if I got to do all that, baby, you don't want this. And I tell people how I would tell myself when I was competing. My coach give me an assignment or give me what I got to eat or whatever. Okay. So if this is like my sixth or seventh show, okay, I'm going to go ahead and take what my coach give me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to execute it to the the hundred percent, but I'm going to turn around and tweak it to make it even better because I know where I can get better. Respectively, I'm going to respect what my coach is doing. Plus I'm going to add my stuff on top of it, make sure my coach yeah. is okay with it and give it 110%. Yeah. That way, when I show up on Monday, time for me to work out, my coach ain't over yeah. here stressing, yeah. having to feel like they got to do extra work with me and they got to pick me up and yeah. carry me. I'm an athlete you want on your team. We help each other out. But a lot of people don't do that. And that's what makes me different from a lot of people. And that's also what makes it different from one IFBB pro to an amateur. That's what makes your, you can tell, like when you see an amateur coming in and they come in with that drive, they come in, okay, coach, you gonna give me this? Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and do five more extra Mm -hmm. things. You know, okay, you gonna be a pro. You come in here, okay, I'm gonna give you four things to do. Uh, I can do three of them. Can I do the fourth thing tomorrow? You don't want this. So it it all boils down to the mentality. If you haven't got the right mentality, it's just, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. If you don't want it, if you don't want it, baby, ain't nobody going to want it for you. And the one thing I always tell my clients, I got mine. You got to get yours. <laughs> Jasmine, this has been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. I wish we could go on longer. <laughs> I know you've got to rush off. I know. Um, Me too. I'm, I'm enjoying this <laughs> a lot. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll get you back on the, on, on the episode um, to talk a little bit deeper about it. But no, it's been a pleasure.